Good evening and welcome to episode 193 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandu Mwakumalo. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time, well, where have you been? You've certainly missed out on quite a lot of great episodes that we have brought to your screen. So do make sure that you go to our Facebook or YouTube page to catch up on some of the great content that we have brought on your screens. And to all our regular viewers, welcome back to the Private Property Podcast. It's always so great to have you join us. As usual, it promises to be a great episode on all things relating to property. There's certainly quite a lot coming up on this evening's show. I'm talking about us, you know, not only talking about this evening's conversation, which I'm very excited about. We're going to be exploring how to help your children enter the property market with Harcourt's Property South Africa. And that's, of course, for, you know, whether it's parents who are buying properties, for example, um, for their children or under their children's name because they want them to grow up um, and have a property or that first bachelor apartment or one-bedroom apartment, or parents who are helping their adult children, um, you know, access that first home that they may want to buy maybe it might be helping them out with the deposit or perhaps even helping them out with transfer fees and we're also going to be exploring non-financial ways of helping your children out when it comes to their property journey because we know that you know there's so many different ways that parents can play a supportive role um, in supporting their children especially when it comes to such a big decision like purchasing their first property and that's some of what you can expect on this evening's show something else that you can expect is the announcement of who the lucky spot prize winner of the 500 grand cash prize is going to be now every wednesdays and thursdays we're going to be giving away a spot prize that is 500 rand in cash. And this is, of course, for our Sherlock Holmes competition. You know that we are running the Sherlock Holmes competition for the next 12 weeks. We're on the third week. And all you have to do for that competition is crack the riddle. We share a riddle every single Monday across our social media platforms. And go to www.privateproperty.co.za and let us know where the riddle shows you or certainly leads you. And you stand a chance of walking away with 5,000 Rand voucher and we announce that winner right here live every single Friday. But along the way, we also have spot prizes. As you saw yesterday, we give away that first spot prize, which was a 500 Rand in cash. We'll be doing the exact same thing later this evening. So that's certainly something that you can look forward to. And something else that you can look forward to later this evening is the Farming Podcast with Umbali Nuoko. It's going to be coming to your screens at 8 p.m. And that's definitely something that you can look forward to after this evening's podcast. Well, we always have a lot in store for you here across other private property social media platforms. We love keeping the conversation going on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, our YouTube, as well as on Twitter. You can also find myself on these social media platforms at Zamandongwa underscore K. Now to get us into this evening's conversation, we are talking parents helping their children when it comes to their property journey. And I am joined by uh, Richard Gray, who's the CEO at Harcourt's South Africa. Richard, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi there, Zama, and thank you very much. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. Now, Richard, I mean, when I think property and I think parents, I think it's one of those things that 
Um, as, as somebody who's a parent, I, I'm luckily not a parent, uh, but certainly as a parent, you know, you're either going to, and I've seen this trend where certain parents now are buying, you know, properties or want to buy properties and put it in their children's name because they want to, you know, secure their future. Uh, but we also have parents who've got adult children who want to buy, you know, their first property and probably need a little bit of help. And help can be financial help, but also it can be non-financial help. I want us to first, you know, focus on the financial aspect uh, first, because it is quite an important part of the home buying journey. But before we get to sort of some of the tips that, you know, maybe parents should kind of think about, perhaps as an overview, you know, what, what kind of things should parents be thinking about when it comes to helping their children on their property journey, whether it's, you know, their child who's a minor or certainly a child who's an adult um, who's looking to go into property? Well, I think that, I mean, the first and most fundamental part of it is that getting into the property um, chain as early as possible is a wonderful thing. So, you know, most people are able to build value by getting into the property chain as early as possible. You know, it's not something you want to leave too late. And the sooner you get into it, even if it's just getting in, just getting your feet wet, you know, you, you're better off being in the property cycle than, than out of it. So I think if there's a way to get in, fantastic. I think we also just have to be super realistic that your average South African is not in a position to go and buy their children homes and sort of put them in there. You know, I think that's a, it's a very small percentage of people who would be uh, able to do that. So I think, you know, for those people, wonderful, and they, and they can go ahead and do it and they can um, get their children into that by helping them. I think for most people, though, it's really about advising and helping your children make the right decisions around that rather than necessarily laying out the cash to, to get them to, to do so. So, as you said, we sort of need to focus on both of those things. But I think for the majority of people, it's really around helping your children to make the best decisions um, when, when buying their first home. Mm. And that's such an important distinction to make, you know, Richard, because we do live in, in a South Africa where, as you're saying, there's, it's a very small percentage of parents who would be able to buy their children uh, a property, or whether their child is still very young or it's now an adult child, they've graduated from varsity and you want to buy them that first apartment. We, as much as we do see bits of a bit of that on social media, we know that that isn't the status quo. And we're still very far from that being the status quo um, in South Africa. But for those parents who you know, are able to do it or certainly considering it, because I think I've seen different parents even look at their own portfolio and try and you know, almost think, how can they make sure that their children in the future are able to also um, benefit from their own portfolio that they're currently building? I certainly do think that it's such an important, uh, it's so important for them to be able to have the, you know, the right knowledge uh, and know-how and also just the right conversations with their children um, as they are growing up so that by the time the children, uh, whether inherit the, you know, the, the assets or they hand it over to them, they're able to have a bit of an appreciation for the hard work that their parents have put in um, to make sure that they have a better uh, financial net and one that they as parents certainly didn't have. So then Richard, when we look at the parents who are able to um, 
be of financial help, whether it's sometimes, you know, helping with the deposit or perhaps even a percentage of the deposit. Because as we say, I think buying your child outright uh, property, that, that's a bit of a difficult one. Because I know some parents will say, look, I sent you to school, I paid for private school or even public school, I paid for varsity, I can't then go and pay for your property as well. So for those who are able to, you know, assist with a percentage of the deposit, how should they be thinking through helping their children um, with that? And and also any tips for, you know, how they should go about it um, as, as, as almost seamlessly as possible? So, so I think there are a few good options available. Um, you know, one of the ones is to co-purchase. So to buy the house with your child. You know, and that's, and that's something that a lot of people are doing. You know, in, in a, some time ago, people would um, offer to be stand surety ship for your um, child and they would buy the house. Most of the banks now are not um, very keen on that because what happened in too many cases is uh, the parents would stand surety ship and then the kid would go off overseas somewhere and this poor parent would be left with the house and there were many very hard luck cases and, and I think the banks have tried to shy away from that. So I think... A really good one, and in that process, you can teach your child to be a, a responsible debtor. They can pay their bit of the bond every month, and you can kind of help them through the process together. You know, hold their hand and, and take them through that process of owning the house with you. Um, and that's a really good way to, to pass that across. Um, the other way you can do it is to put down some of the, as, as you say, the deposit for them or pay. Um, a percentage of the transfer fees, and that always will help because obviously the less they owe, uh, maybe the more they the more they can end up affording because um, the amount they're borrowing is smaller. Also, don't forget that there's a tax implication. You know, you you can do a donation of a hundred thousand rand and and get um, tax benefits out of that, um, and so you could donate that money and and you know so certainly those people who are looking to um, have get rid of their spare money and, and get some tax advantages, you know, they can do it that way by putting down that money. So there are those different ways that they can get involved um, with their children's uh, helping them purchase their house. Um, and that will get them, uh, get their foot in the door. Mm. You know, Richard, I actually want to talk a little bit about the co-purchasing because as you're saying, I, I know that the, when we talk about surety, there've been a lot of family members who've, know, stood surety for other family members, sometimes parents standing surety for their children. And you tend to hear so many different kinds of horror stories um, because money got involved, the person who's supposed to pay doesn't pay, you know, and the arrangement always uh, tends to go sour one way or the other. When we look at parents who potentially may want to co-purchase with their children in order to be able to assist them in purchasing that first property or perhaps even adding to their property portfolio, what are some of the things that they should should be looking out for you know i almost want us to look at the do's and don'ts because unfortunately it's going to be one of those very long-term um arrangements because you're effectively entering into a 20-year-long you know bond in as much as we know you can pay it off earlier but the loan term typically is 240 months and so many things can happen you know in that time frame I often joke about how one of the daunting things when I started um, on my own property journey and, and looking at, you know, 20 year loan term was I, I hadn't even been in a long term relationship. I couldn't 
for the life of me, think of a 20-year-long relationship with a financial institution. So sometimes we look at it from that perspective and you're like, but that's a whole lifetime, right? And, and for a lot of us millennials, there isn't a single thing that we could say we've done for that long. And, and so it, it, it does become a very sort of difficult thing to try and imagine in terms of how long um, the property game can be. So what are some of the do's and don'ts for parents who will potentially co-purchase with their children? So I think the, the very best advice I can give on that is whatever property you're purchasing and whatever debt you're taking on for that property, as the parent, you need to be able to service that by yourself. Yeah. So don't be relying on the income from your child. Um, you know, a, a child who's 20 or 21, their life is going to change radically over those years and, and especially over those first five. They will start a job, change jobs, potentially go overseas. You just don't know at that age and they should have that freedom, you know, to be able to do those things. So I think, you know, the, the key would be from a, an affordability point of view, if they are not able to contribute, at least make sure that you can contribute to that. I think the second point would be that make sure it's a highly rentable property. So make sure it's something that you can earn income on. You know, it doesn't have to be that you're buying this property for your child to live in. Um, you know, the, the, this co-purchase is really, remember, to get them into the property cycle. It's not necessarily for them to live in. Um, you know, one of the things that many people do is they buy the property the child still stays at home and they rent that property out. And I think, you know, if we look at rentable properties, they're typically properties that are quite low maintenance, pretty lock up and go, you know, your sort of two bedroom to three bedroom townhouse, um, secure. Those are really good properties to co-purchase because, you know, they're easy and, and maintainable. And then even if your child does go and live overseas or, you know, goes off and studies further or does something, you've got a property that you can rent out. So I would say, number one, make sure you can afford it even if you're not getting a contribution from your child. And number two, make sure it's the one that you can definitely rent out and get some income from that property to help you pay um, to pay off that, that long-term debt. Mm. Uh, you know, Richard, I think that affordability factor is actually such a big one because oftentimes it's probably the one thing that parents might think, look, maybe I don't need to be able to service the debt entirely by myself because we are co-purchasing. Um, maybe, you know, your child starts that first job and, you know, it pays relatively well. And you think, look, we able, we are able to go half fees on it, or my contribution is only going to be 40% or 60%. But as you say, because your child is still young, you know, so many things can happen. If, if I even reflect on my own kind of journey, career-wise, um, aspirations, sometimes you want to go abroad, maybe do a master's abroad. There's so many things in between that um, we sometimes want to do that can either disrupt, you, you know, the flow of finance, because if you decide, I actually want to go to school um, and I want to go back to school full-time as opposed to juggling work, um, and varsity, it is going to have an impact on the debt that you've taken on. And in as much as you're able to sell it, you also know that you don't want to sell too early because then you're going to lose out. Um, you're potentially going to lose quite a bit. Uh, so you really do want to make sure as the parent that you're able to afford it as much as possible. 
Uh, I am, of course, speaking this evening to Richard Gray, the CEO of Harcourts South Africa. And we're looking at parents helping their children out on their property journey, whether you're you know, intending to buy your minor child a property and make sure that by the time they're old enough, they're able to have that first place that they can manage by themselves, or you're intending to help your adult child you know, get their foot in the property ladder. And um, that's some of what we're exploring this evening. And we're talking both financial and non-financial help, because I think the reality is not every parent may be able to help their child financially, whether it's in the form of helping with the deposit or transfer fees, uh, but there's certainly other ways that you're able to help your child um, non-financially, that is, for them to be able to get access to the property space. We are taking your questions and comments across our social media platforms on this one. I certainly want to hear from the parents. You know, what's your take on helping your children out when it comes to acquiring properties? I, I've, tend, I've tended to hear different views uh, with some parents saying, look, I would have put you through private school. I would have put you through a good university. I shouldn't also be helping you buy a, you know, a property. Chances are I'm even going to buy you your first car. So I would have helped set you up. So the house aspect, you should be able to handle by yourself. Um, with other parents saying, look, I actually want to go all the way. If I can help them even with that first property purchase, then definitely I'd be able to, um, I'll do it if I have financial means to do it. Uh, I want to hear from you at home. Are you team help them all the way or perhaps help them, but not so much with the buying the house there. Maybe you'll play more of an advisory role um, as much as possible. We've got a comment here from Matha Shingang, one of our top fan gang members on Facebook. Matha saying, there are some lessons I wish my parents had taught me. I know that they didn't know better. I'm changing the story for my kid and reshaping the next generation. And we've got another one here from Usemi Mahatsi, who's saying wonderful topic on tonight's podcast. At the end of the day, we're building legacies for our family or for our kids. And that's such a big one, you know, Richard, that when we also reflect on our own parents, you also realize that they, they were helping us at the level of, you know, some of the things that they knew or didn't know. And I think some of the parents now are trying to do just that little bit better for their children. And it may not necessarily be buying that property, but it can obviously be also just teaching them different things about money, because I think that's such an important, um, you know, skill set that we sometimes tend to not get um, at home. And, and, I, and I, I want us then, Richard, to look at some of the non-financial ways that parents can help their children because we we know that there there are ways you can financially set up your your children to access that property space but as we even saying earlier on there are also the non-financial ways that parents can help perhaps take us through those ways that parents can also help their children that don't include them paying for the deposit yeah i think there are a couple of really good practical ways that you can help um you know number one would definitely be it doesn't matter what age you are, just make sure your credit record stays healthy. You know, you almost need to view your credit record as an asset. It's something that don't wreck it because it's something you're going to need. So, you know, you might be 19 years old and open your first retail account at whatever retail store will give you credit at that, at that stage. Don't let those accounts get, out of, get into a mess because in a few years' time when you apply for credit, the financial institution is going to look back and go, oh, hang on, you didn't manage your Edgar's account or Woolworth's account or whatever it is very well. 
Mm-hmm. Not so keen to lend you money to to buy a house now, and you know. And so don't let that. So I think the first bit of advice is really manage your credit carefully, um, and and the best way to do that is obviously not to extend overextend yourself. So easy to say because especially for a lot of youngsters, when they get that bit of credit, they kind of treat it like cash. I think we all did it. Um, I certainly did myself. Um, you treat it like it's a bit of cash, and you blow it. You know, and then now you've got to go for that horrible thing of paying it back. And I think you want to avoid that. So I think parents can give their children really good advice on managing credit. And then I see, I think the second thing, which uh, I'm so pleased to see, because I see a lot of parents doing it really well these days is, is engendering a, a culture of saving, you know, um, even from a very young age is saying, okay, don't spend all your money every month, put a little bit away and build that up because it does build up really well. And so when one day when you are ready to build a house or buy a house, as a parent, I might not be able to put down the money, but you might have that money to put down and get yourself onto the property ladder yourself. And either whether it's to pay transfer costs or to put a deposit down so that you can afford it. You know, those are things that you can, they don't cost anything. It's just really good advice in getting your children into all the right habits when it comes to that. And then I think the third thing where you can guide your children is not overextending themselves when they do buy that house. You know, um, people are very bullish when you're young and you're kind of bulletproof and you and you think things can never go wrong and you've got that first job and you think, well, I'm going to have this job forever and uh, and just keep earning more. And so you see a house and you you borrow yourself to the, uh, the, the, the max and you buy that place. And then we all know, those of us who are a bit older, that Things don't always follow the path that you want. And, you know, that company gets into trouble. You might lose your job. You might take a drop in salary or whatever it is. And then suddenly you can't afford the house. I think that, you know, the advice is then buy something that is manageable, that you can afford um, and, and don't overextend yourself at a very young age. You don't want your first journey on the property ladder to be a disaster. You know, let's, let's rather just be a little bit conservative. Maybe it's not the fancy house you wanted but it's the right house. And I think that's the sort of advice that parents can, can give their children. Mm. You know, Richard, I actually love that third tip because I think as, as uh, I'll say millennials, I don't know if it's an exclusively millennial thing. I've certainly seen it with a lot of my peers is you get pre-qualified. Let's assume, for example, you qualify for 1 million rands and you want to go buy a property that's 1 million rands. And, you know, I always give people, one of the tips that I always give people is don't max out your affordability with that first property. Uh, and you don't need to buy sort of the top end type property in that sort of price bag, right? Because we are staying, we're still young, you're, you're still able to get, let's say a nice two bed or three bed um, in a fairly good suburb or complex under that amount. So you don't need to max it out. And the reality of even the affordability, it's mostly based on your gross pay, not your net pay. So even when you look at the financial buffers, you you are very likely kind of putting yourself on the very edge because you're not going to have that home loan, you know, payment, you're going to have levies, you're going to have rates, then there's going to be water and electricity, which you very likely may not have factored into um, all your finances. So it becomes just so important to think strategically about your first property purchase 
And in the event then where you're going to have an interest in property and want to have a few properties under your belt, because some people want to have, you know, a few investment properties, then perhaps almost look at how can you strategically buy more than one um, with that same affordability. So if you still qualify, if you qualify for that one million, then rather buy two properties, for example, within that band, because at least there, you know that you might be staying in the one and the other one is a rental unit from the onset. And I think those are some of the things that your parents are able to um, conscientize you to very early on that, look, you don't need to buy the last number type apartment um, because it's so much harder to just kind of sell it in the event where things go south or life happens as sometimes it happens. And I think the, the thing that unfortunately tends to happen with some of us is you'll get that great job that will pay you well. You want to buy that nice property. Eight months in, you now hate your job. You want to quit, but you've got this massive mortgage that you can't just, you know, stop paying. Exactly. So you almost need to think very strategically, listen to when your parents say certain things, um, because the reality is they, they, they know that life is long. Um, and they've probably walked that path as well. So then, Richard, you know, as, as we slowly sort of start wrapping up, one of the things that I, I, I want to get your take on, um, especially for parents who are going to co-purchase, we were talking about co-purchasing earlier, is the importance or the relevance of the two parties having a contract. So parent and child also just having a contract in place about that arrangement, um, especially because more often than not, it would probably be obviously the parent helping the child out. So should they almost formalize it, have a contract in place, just in case? Because I think with some people, they're like, no, we'll just sign at the bank and that's it. Um, but what, do you, what are your thoughts on having a formal contract in place that speaks to, we'll say, that financial relationship or transaction um, that the, the parent and child would have entered into? I would absolutely suggest that. I think... You know, nobody ever thinks you'll need a contract until you need one. And I think what ends up happening is that's when emotions are high or something happens that you didn't think about. And and at the time of entering into the agreement, it's better just to record what you'll do in certain events, what happens if one of you wants to get out of it. What You know, you've got to just record the different scenarios and uh, it's well worth having a contract to do that. The, the, the second reason, which you probably most people overlook, is it teaches your child a very good lesson that they're going to have, they're going to encounter contracts throughout their life. And, you know, this is at least a friendly one, you know, that, that, that you can kind of hold their hand and help them through and understand the importance of meeting their end of the bargain, not breaching that contract. And you can explain it nicely to them and explain why. But I definitely think a contract doesn't have to be anything fancy and it definitely doesn't have to be, you know, 50 pages long. But you definitely want to cater for the main things. And, and, and you know, you've got, to, you've got to cater for the unforeseen. What happens if you get hit by a bus? You know, what happens in that case? How, how is that going to handle? What happens if your child wants to exit the contract? What happens if one of you wants to sell the property and the other one doesn't? You know, you've just got to cover all those various eventualities at the time when it's not emotional, in other words, at the beginning, record what you think would be the sensible thing to do and put that in the contract. Then at least when it does happen, and one of you or both of you are a bit emotional, you've got a piece of paper you can come back to and, and, and look at and say, that's how we said we were going to handle it, and that's how, how we're going to handle it. So I would definitely recommend some form of contract. And as I said, also teaches 
good lessons around contracts because we encounter contracts our whole lives um, and we never think we're going to need them until we need them. That's definitely true. Uh, we've got a comment here from Facebook. It's coming from Utepo Mukhubudi who says, this will ease the epidemic of siblings fighting for a family house. Uh, just kidding. I think parents can help their children by ensuring that as soon as they start working, they determine how much money they would be paying every month for the property they would like to purchase and save the amount every month or at least two years. Um, this would firstly teach them to get used to um, this would teach them to get used to the fact that they have to budget, knowing that a certain amount is not accessible to them. And secondly, the child can use those savings to pay for bond costs and a deposit for the property. And Richard, this speaks to you know having the, the non-financial help. So this is essentially advising your child and saying, look, you can still stay at home. So just because you started working doesn't mean you have to, like I'm kicking you out. Because I know there are some parents who are like, at 21, you must leave my house. So you can you can stay at home and you don't need to pay rent or water and electricity. But here's, here's let's put in a plan for you to be able to access home ownership. So let's start already pretending like you have to pay rental, for example, put that money away so that when that time does come, uh, you're financially in a better position to make that uh, particular move. I think it's an absolutely outstanding idea. I mean, I think that should be... Everybody who's watching this, who's thinking of doing something like that, uh, that's a brilliant idea. Um, it, it, it creates the discipline. It, it, it teaches a lot, but in a fairly um, easy environment where, you know, if something unforeseen happens and you miss a month and it's a really good excuse, people aren't going to be knocking on your door and saying, you owe us the money, but, but it is still going to teach you that discipline. And the great thing at the end of it, you've got a lump sum now that you can use for for your property and you've proven that you, you're responsible. And, and going back to one of the things you said earlier is I think one of the things that so many people do miss out on is the extra cost. You know, they think, oh, I'll buy a house and I've just got to pay the bond and they do all their calculations and they do forget about insurance and levies and lights and water and all those nasty things that unfortunately uh, we do all have to pay, you know, and I think this would be another way to teach them to budget and put money aside for those things. So great idea. Mm. We've got another comment here from Umkatego Ahabe who says, my desire is to lend, to lend my children money to buy at least their first property or maybe till they are fifth and not, and not have them pay interest. Uh, hashtag property investor mommy. And I love that one, right? Because, uh, I mean, Gatego herself is a property investor. So you also want to raise little property investors yourself. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're setting them up financially. Um, and she'll probably be using the proceeds from her current portfolio um, to be able to help their children. So it's also parents who are now getting into property themselves and trying to find, as they are learning different lessons and realizing some of the pressure points along the journey, you know, you want to make it as easy as possible for your children once they grow up. Yeah, I like that as well because it's, I like the lending part of it. You know, it's not just here's the money. It's, it's, it's once again entering into a good educational process where um, I'll lend you the money and I'll even do it interest-free or I'll do it however you like. Um, and over time, you need to pay it back because it's lent to you. Um, but I'm making it easy for you and I'm getting you in and maybe you don't have a credit record yet and people won't lend it to you, so I'm helping. But I, I think it's good to lend it. You know, I think um, 
the, the world is littered with people who've got things for free and they don't attach a value to it. Um, I think when you lend something and you, you, you're more likely to attach a value to it. So it hasn't come so easy then. And Richard, as we wrap up our conversation this evening, any final tip to our parents at home who are going to want to help their children along their property journeys? Yeah, I just think, you know, life is full of choices and you probably have many ways you can help your children. I mean, I think all of us are, are I think education is always a high priority and, and, you know, I think if you had to rank it, you would always want to make sure your children are educated because that sets them up for life. But I think just below that would be getting them onto the property ladder because you, you really are giving them an asset that, um, or helping them to, to get an asset that they can build their wealth on. You know, I see too many people who are 18 years old driving really fancy cars, fancier than cars that most of us who are a lot older than them drive. And I just think to myself, sure, I wish those parents had just taken that money and paid a deposit on someone's house and, and helped them rather buy a property because they would then be, you know, hold an asset that grows in value as opposed to a car, which you're going to sell for less than two years' time. And apologies to anybody who sells cars. But um, I do think that, you know, if, if you're going to spend a lot of money on your children, outside of education, I would be helping them to buy a home. Mm. Well, Richard, that's a great place for us to leave it. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Absolute pleasure, Zama. Thank you very much. It's been lovely. And that is Richard Gray, who's the CEO at Harcourt's South Africa. And that wraps up this evening's conversation. So to all the parents, I certainly do hope you found this one useful. It's certainly quite a lot to think about, especially when it comes to how you can help your children uh, when it comes to their property ambitions. And your child can still be quite young, so there are things that you can already do now. Uh, and there's certainly non-financial ways you can help your child along when it comes to finances, making sure that you normalize talking about money and really having them understand the value of money as much as possible. Well, that's it from us this evening. But as you know, we're not quite done yet. We're going to go for a quick break. And when we come back, I will be announcing the lucky winner who's going to walk away with that 500 grand cash price. And of course, you have to be watching us live so that you can raise your hand and claim that money. That's the only way that you can walk away with this one. It is, of course, the spot price for the Sherlock Holmes competition. We're going to be back just after this.
Welcome back to the Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantu Kumalo. While it is that time of the evening where we get to give away some money, and of course, this is for a Sherlock Holmes competition. Now, as you know, every Wednesdays and Thursdays during the duration of the Sherlock Holmes competition, we will be giving away spot prizes as we go along. We love making things fun and exciting. And this evening, the potential lucky winner, um, as you know, when we call out your name, I'm going to give you about a minute and you're going to have to type down here below that you're here in order to be able to claim your prize. And the potential winner of that 500 grand cash prize this evening goes to Damishka Pillay. That is Damishka Pillay, um, who I'm going to now give a minute to have you know, to raise your hand. So you've got a minute, Damishka Pillay, to make sure that you make yourself be known. And of course, it really is that easy to walk away with that spot prize here on the Private Property Podcast. All you have to do is to make sure that you're watching us live so that when we call your name, just like Damishka Pillay, you're able to raise your hand and let us know that you're watching. And that's all that it takes to walk away with the prize. And of course, for the bigger prize, which we announce every single Friday, uh, that is for the Sherlock Holmes competition. And I see Damishka saying, I am here, fam. And so congratulations there to Damishka Pillay, who walks away with that 500 grand cash prize. And if you want to be like Damishka Pillay and walk away with some of our spot prizes, then make sure that you enter the private property Sherlock Holmes competition on our social media platform watch us live and wait until the very end because we get to announce the lucky winners at the very end and we want to make sure that you are watching us live so that you can let us know that you are in fact watching and that's how you get to walk away with the cash prize well that's it from me Zamantungwa Kumalo and the rest of the private property podcast team I'll be handing over to Umbaluno who's going to be bringing you this evening's episode of the farming podcast The suburbs of Berea and Morningside are built on a natural ridge that overlooks the home of the Sharks, the Moses Mabida Stadium, uh, Durban Country Club. It's just got an incredible outlook elevated over the city. 
Living in Morningside makes so much sense to us because everything is so central. Anything that we choose to do is a couple of kilometers away or a couple of hundred meters away. Restaurants, coffee shops, it's all here on our doorstep. You know, we've got uh, great schools here. Uh, the girls' schools just close by are Maristella and German Girls College. And then fantastic boys' schools, uh, Durban Preparatory High School, DPHS, one of the top primary schools in the country, and then Clifton, which now goes all the way to high school. It's so convenient to be in this area where everything is close by. Some of our closest friends stay just across the Amgheni River in Durban North. Durban North is very family orientated with some great schools, some excellent restaurants and some small commercial centres. The promenade along Durban's beachfront, also known as the Golden Mile, got an incredible facelift for the 2010 World Cup and today is used by all of Durban's population. We as a family love the Durban beachfront. If we're not in the water, you'll find us on our bicycles along the promenade. Being a world paddleboard champion, I've traveled to some of the most amazing beaches around the world, but nothing comes close to what we have here in Durban. Durban has great weather and great conditions all year round for surfing and for training and just being in the ocean. And that's why it's known as the warmest place to be. We've lived here our whole lives and there's no place we'd rather be, and this is our neighborhood.